So welcome this morning, and I want to thank you all for coming to uh, 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 what we're going to call this is the Tear Fest. <laughs> Tears of joy. We came in here to church in 1981. I came with a chip on my um, chip on my shoulder, and you guys didn't care, and you loved me, and uh, eventually. Well, I'll tell you a story. So when we came here in 81, I saw that they didn't have a college class. Let's see, who was in that, who was in that first college class? Uh, no, uh, Lisa, you weren't. You weren't. You weren't even born. Uh, Carrie was, uh, was, was here. Uh, and so I went up to the uh, pastor and said, you don't have a college class. I'd be glad to teach the class. And he got together with the uh, associate pastor, and they met me, and they said, we know we don't have a college class, and if you don't like that, just go someplace else. So what I think they really meant to say was, you, we need to get to know you a little bit before, uh, before we give you such responsibilities. A year later, we, we were teaching a college class, and that was kind of fun. And uh, then in 2005, which is really strange. You guys said, oh, would you, uh, our, our pastor had just resigned and was going to Palm Springs, uh, and he, the elders and their wives asked me if I would do the preaching until they found somebody, and they uh, still looking. So I, I guess I should say a couple, a uh, couple things. Uh, this has been a, and I've told you this before, I've been to pastor's conference and they said there's always just one group against the other group and there's always some fighting and if you're at a Baptist church they always fight, you know, I don't know what that is. But this has been a great, wonderful uh, wonderful time. Okay, let's have preached the word now. So I was looking through scripture and uh, there's a couple things that uses the word to sum it all up or, or finally brethren. So I'd like to talk about those, but I don't know if you pay attention to the bulletin, but there are three things in the bulletin. Probably, I, I don't know if anybody a actually notices them. And there are three things and it says we live so we wonder, so they will wonder, learn so they will know, and love so they will believe. So two of these things are kind of close together because living and loving are really the same, kind of the same, because if you are living without loving, that you're not really living, really. And so they kind of work themselves together. So this church has a mission, and it comes from Jesus. And Jesus told us that we were to make disciples and uh, to teach things that he taught. And it isn't just so that he could uh, have a big church and have lots of money and build the cathedrals or or. or or just have a great big social organization. And, and he, he, he told us that, that something that we needed to do, that something very basic about, uh, about what he wanted to do in this world. So there's a passage in the Old Testament. It's about three guys who were, were I, I forget whether they're lepers or not, but anyway, the, the whole country was in a famine. And these three guys stumbled upon a, a, a camp where were that had been uh, uh, vacated because of uh, 
uh, they thought that God was going to uh, destroy the place. And so they run, and, and I think maybe there's dead bodies, and I don't know. But anyway, but they come to this stash of food. And now they have enough food to do whatever they want. Can you imagine if you lived in a country, let's say Salinas, and all of a sudden the supermarkets are all closed, everything is gone, the, the, the fields are, there's no lettuce in the fields, there's no gophers to eat, there's nothing left to, to eat. Now we don't eat gophers anymore. Nor, nor do we do it any less. But, uh, and can you imagine discovering, uh, discovering food? How terrible would it be if you didn't share that with others? And Jesus talked about him being the, the bread of life. And he isn't saying that he's really bread. He's not bread at all. But there's something about the essence of life that Jesus has. That in Jesus Christ, there is everything that satisfies our soul. Everything that we need to make life meaningful. Everything that we need to give us this relationship with God, and we've been singing about this the whole time. And so our mission is to let people know that we have found life. And the world is a dark place, and a lot of people looking for satisfaction in life, looking for some a meaning in life, and they're finding nothing. So anyway, Jesus is the true food that satisfies uh, our soul and those who have put their trust in Christ all over the world find that that's true uh, why do we put our trust in Christ when we have come to Jesus Christ we have found something that makes sense to our soul I remember when, when I first trusted Christ something uh, unbelievable happened all of a sudden my eyes my spiritual eyes were open I began to see things that I could never understand before about God and I went and told my family why would I not? Grandma, I found out, I found what God, I know what God is up to. Of course, I didn't know all of what God was up to, but a little bit of what God was up to. And if the church is going to fulfill its mission, certain things have to happen. And so, so that problem is, is that we have this mission. We want to tell people, well, what does it take for people to listen? That's what I, I wonder. What is it going to take for someone to say, I want to hear what you have to say? So Peter, St. Peter, after talking uh, about the family of God and how they're to function in the church, he says this, to sum it up, well, there we go, here's the sum it up sermon. All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead for you were called for this for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing so we are to live in such a way that people will wonder why why we believe you know what is the what is the world you turn on the radio or the news and in, or the internet and and what do they think of the church what is the church of Jesus Christ like oh well they're racist they're homophobic they're uh, they're, they're warmongers, they're whatever they are. Is that who we are? So last Sunday we were in a church called uh, Parkview Church. And we wanted to go to a, a church where they sang Christmas songs. And uh, we found a, an old church, a big church, and, and they sang some Christian songs. And one of these passages I don't remember ever singing. 
And the passage goes like this. This is written or translated actually in the 1850s. And, and the song is O Holy Night. Do I sing it to you? No. I could put on my opera voice. And here's just a, one of the verses, a part of the verse. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love. His gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. The church of Jesus Christ is not about racism, oppression. It's about love and peace and blessing people and loving your neighbor and uh, praying for your enemies and so on. So this is what Jesus taught us and this is what his true followers were doing. Sorry to say that there are people out there who aren't true followers and they say they're Christians and they are not and you can judge them by uh, whether they follow these commands or not. So, so back to Peter. He says, live in harmony in the church with your neighbor. So how do we learn to be harmonious? So first of all, you've got to remember about music. Now, I'm not much of a music person. Uh, I love to play, I play the bongo drums and the conga drums, conga drums. I tried playing the, my conga drums up here and where is, uh, and there's some, well, uh, something about drummers that I didn't know. Are they supposed to set the, the, the pace? And that's not the way I played. I would listen to the guitar player and I would, Anyway, so Fon says I couldn't play anymore because they wouldn't go right. They don't blame them. So anyway, in, in harmony, if you're going to be harmonious, harmonious, harmony says the different parts. So look at there. There's a, by the way, I should have brought my violin. I do play a violin. You didn't know that. So there's, uh, there's this, well, in music, there's a soprano and there's the alto, and then there's the, see, I don't even know what they call them, tenor, bass, you know, and they all, do, and, and I, I listen to Fonz up here when he's teaching or talking about, well, you guys are supposed to sing the harmony. So we're not supposed to be all this monotone song. We're all singing, you know, like you you know, those monks back in the, you know, the 10th century or whatever, where everything sounds one melody. No, they're different, they're different, mel they're different notes. And we're all singing different notes, but they're all in, har in harmony. The church isn't about all having the same ideas about everything. It's about having different ideas. But it's, and we, we believe the basics, but some things that are not, that, that, that we're allowed to, to think differently. And in that difference, we are using our gifts, we are using what God has taught us, and we come together in this wonderful uh, harmony. And we are all different. We're all different in personalities. And everyone must be given proper respect. And it sounds beautiful. It? Secondly, we need to be sympathetic. Now, I want to suggest in order for people to be, uh, see Jesus, we must understand their side and be able to understand where they're coming from. I was recently told by somebody that the reason why they didn't believe in Jesus is because a man cannot be God. And does everybody agree with me? No? Well, it's true. A man cannot be God. 
It cannot. By your, our own definition, a, a person is created, he is not the creator. So you need to understand that. I see that. I struggle with that. Can a man be God? No, he cannot. But as we learn the Christian life and we learn the Bible, we find out that there's actually the opposite is true, that God became a man. That God, it is possible for God to be, become a man. Matter of fact, if you read Scripture and if you read all of the prophecies about Jesus, who is he? He is the son that is born. He's the, the, the eternal being who is born out of Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5. And so we need to, be, we need to understand where people were, are coming from so that we can, in some sense, be sympathetic for what they're going through and understand their position. And then, of course, as we learn Bible, we learn the fullness of how things are supposed to be. And if we are sympathetic and are listening to them, just think, they might be, be also sympathetic and listen to what you have to say. Can I share with you a different perspective? And this is the pers I agree with your position. I understand that. And in the church... We are supposed to be this way. We are supposed to be understanding where the other person is coming from. We're all different. We all have this set of filters. We've talked about this in Bible study. We all have come with the different filters. Some of you are raised Catholic and you have Catholic filters. Some of you are raised atheist and you have these atheistic filters. Some of you are raised Jewish and you have Jewish filters. And you, when we teach the truth, you filter the, you see things through those filters. The hard thing is, is that to, to get to set those filters aside is very difficult. So we th see things uh, of the Spirit differently. We, the gifts of the Spirit we see differently. We see uh, Calvinism and Arminianism differently because of, of our filters. And if we don't understand or, or understand their position, then how can we actually be sympathetic and how can we understand their view and how can we teach them what, what we are our side of the... You, what, what we think scripture teaches and he's calling us to be sympathetic uh, Paul says this to the Ephesians therefore I, 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 uh, therefore I the prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a worthy manner what's that? it means that you live in personal holiness that you've decided that you're going to live for God and, and that re requires that you live in a, in a holy way a, a, a worthy a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called with all hum humility. When people see a personal, when say people see personal holiness and humility, then why? Why? Why do you live this way? The world isn't this way. Just, are you, are you tired of politics? There is no humility there, I'll tell you that. There is no sympathy there, I'll tell you that. There is no one who understands the other side or attempts to to understand the other side. We need to make people wonder. And that is why living a godly life is important. Yes, even humility. How hard is it when you think you know a lot and you come across as a know-it-all like me? And when we need to realize that most everything that we've learned, we learn from somebody else was home with the with the great with the grandchildren in Iowa this week and this is really so cute. So Jerry and I are downstairs and they want to play house. So they are the mom they are the moms to a, a, a three year old and a four and a half year old. So they want to be moms. 
So they said, okay, you need to go to bed. So there's, a, they, they, there's, this, little, uh, there's this little stairway, the stairs go this way, and there's, you know that space underneath the stairway? Well, they made it look like a house. And so there's a little door, and so we had to go in there. And so the littlest one says, no talking. And so we start to cry. Well, we can't do Mama, Mommy, we, we, we don't want to go to sleep. Stop crying. And so they're just being this, this incredible uh, uh, mom and, uh, situation we tried to keep in character. And, and so we asked them, Mommy, Mommy, please tell us a story or sing us a song. But what songs do they know? So Mariah, who's four and a half, sings A, B, C, D. <laughs> Where does she learn that? She didn't learn it herself. She learned her ABCs from somebody else. What do you know? What do you know? You know from someone else. Nothing that you have of yourself is from you. It's from someone else. How can you be proud of what you know? And I know a lot of stuff. Matter of fact, I've forgotten a whole bunch of the stuff that I thought I knew anyway. And the last thing I want is for knowledge, my knowledge, to poke its ugly head as pride. That's the last. And you don't want people to see that. All that I know is what I've been taught by someone else. And I examine that. And gentleness. If you want people to listen to you, gentleness is essential. We don't listen with harshness. We don't. You yell at your kids and yell at your and scream at them and, and the way you don't, you don't you talk gently and softly and kindly with patience. Why patience? Because we're all different. We are all different personalities. We are all very different in this church. And we come with different cultures and filters, like I said. And we need to show tolerance for one another in love. Tolerance is an interesting word. I shared this with, with you last week. Uh, or last time. I looked, somebody was talking about bigotry. Has anybody looked up the definition of bigotry? Anybody know what it is? Bigotry is having no tolerance for someone who has a different opinion than you. Look it up. And that's where we are today. We have no tolerance. We really are, the people who are screaming no tolerance have no tolerance for people as well. We're all, and we're, and we're not supposed to be bigots, that's not. And I want to thank you for being tolerant uh, to me because you know what my flaws are. Uh, matter of fact, um, my granddaughter said to me, Misha came up to me, and I think we were sitting at the table, and she says, Papa, why are you so silly? <laughs> thank you for uh, allowing me to be silly for 38 years. Now remember, you're going to get a new pastor, I don't know when, and he will be different from me. Aren't you thankful? And you're going to tell him what to do, 
because Pastor Rich did it this way. Do not tell him to do it that way. Let him be his own person. Accept him as all his differences. Let him bring new freshness into the church. Don't tell him how to run the church. Don't tell him, well, in our old church, this is the way we did it. Yeah, that's why you're not in that church anymore, because you were trying to run that church. But show him the love, and he will be eager to invite people to this church because of who you guys really are. You are a sweet, wonderful, tolerant, gentle, patient people. That's who you are. Then he says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Boy, there is a mouthful. This is critical. Spiritual unity, and you maintain the peace in the body. That's what we do. That's what the church is about. In all its differences. This is holy living at its finest. Loving one another. Listening to one another. Keeping the unity. Being of the same mind. Doesn't always have to agree. But just saying, okay, let's listen. Let's think this through. Let's work together. Let's come to a consensus. And let's love one another even in, our, in things that we disagree. It's holy living at its finest. Number two we, uh, on our list was learn so that you will know and you can pass on to them so they will know. You need to learn. We need the people who are learning people. We cannot be ignorant people. We cannot be Christians and say, well, I was, my mommy taught me this way and that's why I believe it. No, no. We need to read scripture. We need to dwell on scripture. We need to, uh, we need to make lists of things that we don't know and don't make doctrines out of things that we don't understand. And we need to learn. I've read some really great books uh, lately that have just been exciting for me. One is called Jesus Skeptic by John Dickerson, the pastor. Jesus Skeptic, another one of these journalists who, who has become a Christian who investigated uh, the reason for God by Tim Keller. It was really good, really good stuff. Stuff that really stimulates your mind. And, and, and you, when you read these books, something it lets you know, this is why I'm a believer. When I became a believer... I was shown a passage, and this, some of you have heard this a million times, and so this is one last time. Daniel 9 says when the Messiah would come and that he would die. So I went to the rabbi. I said, Rabbi, I need to know that if I've, if I've translated this passage correctly. I, need, I knew that I did the right thing in my heart, but I didn't know whether I did the right thing in my brain. I asked you the same question. Are you a believer because you just did something spiritual? And there's, that's really, that's the most important part. But also, can you defend it? So I gave the passage to the rabbi and I said, I, have I translated this correctly? And he said, yes, you have. Wow, that really makes me feel good that I did the right intellectual thing as well. And I said, well, is Jesus Messiah? And he wouldn't answer second thing I did is I wrote, read Bertrand Russell's book, Why I'm Not a Christian. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get the other side. I'm going to understand the other side. And he just, he just laughed at Jesus. He made no attempt to understand what Jesus was trying to say. And so here's, and you can, by the way, you can go on the, the internet and, and, you know, 25 reasons why I'm an atheist. And the, the reasons they give are, are not intellectually good. They'll take the failures of the church from the dark ages, they'll take passages that that we don't uh, uh, that are mis uh, they're mistranslated and say that we believe. I can understand why they they don't believe because they they don't have the they don't have the knowledge. They don't even choose to investigate whether they've in interpreted those passages correctly. We don't tell people we have the truth 
we convince them by learning and that what we believe is reasonable and they should consider to investigate scripture in our differences in the church we only are to live one way and that is to be harmonious sympathetic brotherly kind hearted humble in spirit gentle in mind tolerant and united in the Lord and then he says that the third thing that we have in the bulletin is love people in the world so they'll believe and if you don't love people with a true heart they're not going to believe they're going to see through that will people see Jesus if you don't have a genuine heart of love for them which is difficult because we are self-centered people everything we do has self-interest even Jesus appeals to our self-interest John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one of a kind unique none other like him son what so that we could have eternal life and not perish there's self-interest I need life and the downside is I don't want to be judged but who wants to be judged anyway then he says but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you how? with gentleness and reverence reverence there's an interesting word because the Greek word for reverence is actually uh, phobia, P-H-O-B-I-A. If you'll probably look at it in the King James, it probably says fear. And there is two sides of fear. There is a fear where you're, you're afraid I'm going to preach too long. <laughs> That's one of those. Or where you love somebody, you respect them, and you revere them. And God wants that kind of holy reverential fear, reverential trust. And it says to, when you're talking to people, you need to have that same fear. You need to respect them and with, you need to respect them and revere them. Why? Just because they're human beings, just because God created them. And when people feel the respect that, and they feel this respect and love that you give them, they're going to they're want to know. So we're to learn, to know the truth of God's word and ready to explain it. Do you think the Christian life is uh, impossible? Well, I've been a Christian for uh, I don't even know how many years since 19 was that eight, nine, 1962, and I there are some things that help me to live the Christian life, but it's possible because we are people who are supposed to trust, and God gives the power for us. Uh, to live that way. Um, there's this passage uh, that I want to read to you. And this is Philippians at chapter 4 where he starts out and says, Finally, brethren, why do I have a problem with personal holiness? Why do I have a problem with loving? Why do I have a problem with my thought life? Why do I have a problem with this? And, and uh, Paul is going to help us with that. And this kind of helps me to resist temptation. Because I live in this world where 
it's just. I don't know if you notice that the world is not very pure. Have you noticed that? You ever go around town and all, all, you know every every other word's a, a four-letter word, and not the four-letter words that we like, like love. And these things come, and then the things that you see and the things that you hear, they come into this this thing, and they go into my brain, and they're just lodged there. And then things come into my eye gate, and they're and they're stuck there in my brain. I saw things I didn't want to see. And maybe that's why when we were talking about Lot and, uh, and not uh, you know, Canaan and when, when he went in to see uh, uh, Ham, when he went to see his father, the other brothers walked in backwards because they just didn't want to, something they just didn't want to see. They wanted to protect their mind. They wanted to, they wanted to, didn't have those images in their brain. But what if we would make a choice that comes to what comes in our eye and our ear gate. Would the Christian life get easier? Paul says this, and he uses the word, a word of finality. Finally, brethren, and I'm not going to preach on these, I'm just going to read it. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good, good repute, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on those things. What if we were to, to, to limit the garbage that went into our brain, into our eye gate, into our ear gate? I wonder if things would be different. I think, would, would temptation be easier? What if we begin saying no to the things that tempt us? And I'm not going to list the things that tempt you because I don't know what they are. Like I do. We're all basically the same. I know it tempts men. And I know that shoes tempt women. So, Any Melda's here? Some of you don't get that one, but that's okay. What if you were to say no to marketing when you saw the... They don't send the Sears Craftsman catalog anymore, do they? No, Harbor Freight. What if you were to say, oh, get behind me, Harbor Freight, say, no, Macy catalog. No, don't send me those 20% coupons, then 50% coupons. And then when you get there, you're really overpaying for it anyway because they just mark it up so much. What if we were to say no to marketing the things that market to our flesh? To say no to pleasure, over-the-top pleasure. What if we were to say no to over-the-top things Oh, we've been packing for three months. We have a lot of things. Whatsoever things are lovely, that is so lovely. Let's think about having more of those. What if we stop trying to impress people with who we are and our status? What if we and the next time we, we thought about, we're not going to get high. We're not going to pay attention to the lure of those expensive toys or that beautiful man or woman or pleasure or being rich and powerful. I hear that a lot. People love to be rich and powerful. Jesus called us to live a certain way. And it is, when we read that Proverbs today, it's the life that works. It's the life that satisfies. It's the life that is successful. 
remember the struggle isn't in doing. The struggle is trusting and faith. Because when you trust God, God, I really want to do that. My body really wants to do this, but I'm going to trust you and I'm, not, I'm going to talk to you about this thing and yes, God will give you the power to overcome that temptation. And maybe you're here this morning and you just say, well, I can't live this way. It's impossible. I'm just too weak. And I see the point. Uh, I see the point you're trying to make, but it's impossible for me to live this Christian life. Maybe it's impossible because you've never put your trust in Jesus. And, and, and the Christian life can only be possible for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross so that we could be forgiven and be rescued. It's only possible when you recognize the flaws in your life and that you're... What? Should I just use the word sin? Oh, no. Flaws work so much better. No. It, it, that, that I'm a sinner. We sang that one song. Yes, I'm a sinner. And I only know how to cry. And I don't know only how to complain. But God will rescue you and change you and make you into something that's useful and beautiful. Because when you come, when you come to God, say, God, I, I, I'm flawed. I'm a sinner. And will you forgive me? Will you give me your spirit to live within me? I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Cross for me. And you get to know that wonderful forgiveness. And you can be religious and not have a relationship with God. Then think about the first century. Were they religious? They are incredibly religious. And what did they do? They killed Jesus. They crucified him. Maybe it's time to respond to God and have this simple conversation with him and ask him to forgive you. As he, and he will as he's done for millions and millions. Now back to the church people. So God's people, if you're to be useful in the kingdom, we're to be knowledgeable, we're to be holy and loving. And you work on these things personally and this church is going to grow and you fulfill your mission. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us because it's not only just our responsibility to do this, but you are so faithful and you keep working in our lives so that, and you keep bugging us because you love us so much and you just won't let, let us go. We are so thankful for your faithfulness and your commitment. so that we might know you and we might reflect you in a way that speaks of the genuineness of our rescue and of who you are. That you are a wonderful, gracious, holy God who loves us and longs to forgive us. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.